Hello and welcome to Academic Animals' new series of podcasts. This is your host and author, Roger Farr. If you're looking for sweet animal stories like in Watership Down or Babe, then you have the wrong podcast. This series is about my life working as an animal trainer in the film industry. Enjoy the experience. This podcast was originally for my book, but people said, you can't write about this. You can't. People get the wrong idea about this. You can't write about this, and it shouldn't be a podcast either. For me, personally, I thought this was one of the funniest things that ever happened on a film shoot, where everybody around was standing there crying with laughter. The story began with the usual call sheet from a client asking about a TV commercial they wanted to make in Amsterdam. They sent me the storyboard and the director's treatment. It involved one chimpanzee sitting at a table. On the table in front of him would be a banana and a banana-flavoured yoghurt. The chimpanzee has to take a look at both and decide which he would prefer. Naturally, the client's idea was the chimp would prefer the yoghurt. The questions to me were, can it be done? How will you do it? Can you get a safe and friendly chimpanzee? And how much will it cost? This might all sound very simple to the layman, but in practical terms it will be quite complicated. For starters, the paperwork required to transport chimps, especially if travelling from outside the EU. The best chimps for this kind of work at the time lived in Switzerland. They all had the legal and official paperwork, but each trip outside their country and back required extensive customs clearance. Everything had to be with the animal's welfare considered to be of the most paramount importance. Switzerland was one of the strictest countries for this at the time. Nowadays, the European community also have very strict animal welfare laws, but it didn't happen overnight. The rules or laws came in gradually and each country had their own interpretation of these new rules and were, that were coming into force. And some countries even applied their own rules over and above the standard existing rules. Now some people may say this is not the case. They all abide by the same rules. Well generally that is correct, but even so there are exceptions. But the point I'm trying to make is, in practice, when you cross a border, it really depends on the officer standing there in front of you at the time. In a moment, you'll hear a good example of this when I was trying to cross the border with a chimpanzee who has all the correct paperwork. But first we have to get to the border. I was about to encounter a problem I'd never experienced before. I had no idea how to deal with it. Remember my comments about never having a problem with an animal, but humans are a very different story? Well, here goes. The chimpanzee owner said his wife must come because the chimps are her babies and they know her. She will be reassuring to the chimps. Good idea, I thought. Sounds very sensible. The plan was, I would drive the Mercedes truck with the owner Manfred and his wife Regina sitting beside me in the cab. I had to do all the driving both ways. That's about 10 to 12 hours each way. They couldn't drive for various reasons. After about 20 minutes, I sensed Regina was having a strange way of behaving and getting very fidgety and tense. Then she said, could I please slow down? I was surprised at this because I was driving on a motorway in a smooth, free-flowing traffic with most of the other traffic flying past us. I was doing about 75 to 80 kilometres an hour. That is slow on a motorway on the continent for most drivers. 
We were okay for a while, but then she seemed to get more and more nervous about my driving. She didn't want me to overtake any other vehicle because it would mean I have to pull out into the middle lane. Then she was commenting I was getting too close to the vehicle in front. Can I hold back? Her complaints were growing. I couldn't understand what the issues were. I drive millions of kilometres and never had complaints about my driving. On the contrary, I've been complimented many times, so why now, I wondered, what was going wrong? The two-hour journey to the Swiss border took about double that time, and I was now getting concerned we're going to be late and we've hardly started the journey. At the border, we presented our paperwork to the customs officer. He told us to park up over there and wait for the veterinary doctor to come and check the animals. We waited and we waited and we waited. I would from time to time go to the customs office and ask how much longer. They don't like that and they can become very difficult. They treat you as subhuman with their very arrogant attitude. They will simply walk away ignoring you. After 18 hours of waiting, there had been a shift change and so a different officer came to our vehicle and he leaned into our window and said, here you are, here are your papers, you can go now. I asked, why do we have to wait so long for a vet to inspect our animals and their mode of transport, only to be told to wait for 18 hours and then you can go without the vet ever seeing the vehicle or the animals? He shrugged his shoulders and walked away. By now I was tired and furious. It doesn't make sense. All this done under the guise of animal welfare. And yet they keep the animals in the vehicle for 18 hours unnecessarily. In addition to the actual journey time of another 12 hours. We left the customs zone and continued our journey towards Amsterdam at a snail's pace just to keep Regina happy. Manfred and Regina had trained these chimps to a very high standard. They treated them as though they were their own children. They were not circus animals. They were not from a zoo or a park. They were, for all intents and purposes, private pets just like you or I have a dog or a cat. I was fortunate enough to find such nice animals with such lovely owners. They were obviously very, very rich and could afford amazing accommodation for their expensive pets. Eventually, we arrived at the studio, tired and hungry. Manfred took the chimpanzees out for a walk and a playtime in the vicinity of the studio grounds. Now, chimpanzees have few inhibitions and are well known for their sexual behaviour. Often, the slightly older chimp, he was called Michael, he would keep playing with himself. Outside in the studio grounds, this was not a problem for anyone. We would just accept it, knowing full well that this is living and working with chimps. He'll stop in a moment, we thought. He'll get over it. Inside the studio, the director introduced himself and made us feel very welcome. Then he went over what he wanted us to achieve. This, of course, we all knew about already, but it's normal to go through it again on the day. We also asked for a safety meeting with the entire crew present to go through a few protocols to be respected when working with dangerous wild animals, on this occasion the chimps. Most people would never have had the opportunity before to be so close up to such an animal. Most people's first reaction is to stare and then smile at them. That's a come on to a chimp. It can be taken as a threat. A chimpanzee may be half your size, but he is ten times stronger than any professional wrestler, and when angry, a human would not stand a chance. Their bones are like iron bars, not lightweight or brittle like ours. Safety protocols over, now it's down to business. The shop was the chimpanzee sitting at the table, and on the table was a container of banana-flavoured yoghurt, and next to it was a real banana. They wanted the chimpanzee to look at the yoghurt, then look at the banana, 
and then look back at the yogurt, think about it, and pick up the yogurt and drink it. Now during this practicing time, this was teaching him to ignore the banana and go for the banana flavoured yogurt, which he was quite happy to do so. But to do it on cue and to do it with the right timing is much more difficult. Plus a couple of little additions like, can he show his disapproval with the real banana by shaking his head? Or could he demonstrate that he's thinking about this dilemma? We got Michael into position, sitting at the table and offering his favourite snacks or tidbits. We were telling him he's a good boy, giving him a bit more. Meanwhile, the banana and the yoghurt were placed on the table while we were distracting Michael. When working with different animals, it's very common to have two or three trainers or assistants. One trainer will work on positioning the animal, keeping it sitting or laying or whatever. The second trainer will get the attention of the animal and get it focusing on the action, be it a look or a simple repositioning move. And the third trainer is a kind of bodyguard or minder. They will be the eyes watching our backs and general safety. To keep one eye on the crew or actors or any other hazard, looking out for anything and everything that could distract the animal. And that could be simply somebody in the corner talking or even a crew member bringing their dog inside the studio thinking that that's okay. I do remember on a shoot some time ago with a four metre long crocodile, the director's nanny carrying his baby or toddler into the studio, then taking the toddler close up to the crocodile and trying to force the toddler to stroke it. This kind of thing can and does happen. Again, I say, no problem with animals, but people? On this occasion, what made this job far more difficult was that under the table, Michael was non-stop playing with himself. His right hand was always busy. We had a little chat to discuss what we could do to stop this behaviour. We needed a distraction of some kind. It was agreed I will go under the table and when his hand comes down below the table I was going to try and encourage his hand away. With a chimp they may behave like naughty children but one has to be far more subtle. You can't just tell a chimpanzee off and smack his hand or shout at it. You cannot punish him in any way. There are several reasons as to why you cannot do these things. Anything negative, any negative response will be counterproductive. Their attention or focus will be drawn away from what you want and are trying to achieve for starters. Then they will become extremely aggressive and could easily kill you. The solution was to work on distraction and concentrating on focus, getting his focus in the right direction the whole time. This is where good teamwork is essential. So when the hand came down to do whatever he wanted to do, I would be covering the area with something blocking access and gently guide his hand back to the top of the table where Manfred would be doing everything he could to get the focus back on the yoghurt. The camera couldn't see me or below the table. The camera could only see the top of the table, the banana, the yoghurt and the chimpanzee. Then there were close-ups of the same actions. The crew couldn't see what was going on under the table. Anyway, at every opportunity in between the takes, there he was playing with himself. At one point, this very, very attractive girl came in at the back of the studio and as she walked up to the camera and started to talk to the director, I could see Michael was becoming very focused on her. He seemed intrigued. At this point, Michael decided he was so interested in this girl he would like to meet her. So he gets down from the table and starts to walk with a typical chimpanzee swagger, swinging the shoulders. I call it the yobbo walk. The way a group of young tough guys walk in the street, throwing their shoulders backwards and forwards. Now Michael is doing the same, 
walking up to this woman with the attitude that says, hey babe, look at me. But at the same time, with his other hand, he was still sorting himself out. Sorry to repeat all this, but he hardly stopped. Michael stopped in front of the woman, and now he's looking up at her. He can see she's wearing black tights, black shoes, a very black short leather miniskirt, and a black top. Very quietly, very, very gently, very calmly, he's looking up at her. He's looking her up and down. He's looking down at her ankles and following with his eyes right up to under her skirt. There I am holding his other hand and saying, come on, Michael, come on, come on, Michael, let's go, there's a good boy. All the time trying to encourage him, but not force him, just persuade him to leave. Let's go back to the bananas. But he's not having it. He suddenly shrugged me off as if to say no. And then with his little finger, we call it the pinky. With his little pinky, he would be looking under her miniskirt, and where the line of her knickers could be seen through her tights, he proceeded to try and hook his little finger under the line of the tights. He was being so gentle, but still persistent. Now joined by the team, we were all trying to encourage him away, using everything we could, peanuts, sweets, you name it. Meanwhile, I'm saying to the people, please don't hit him, don't push him, don't panic. We will get him away. Don't worry, but just don't panic. The woman is frozen rigid. She is terrified. The Cameron, the director, everybody in the crew, you could see all of them trying so hard to force themselves not to giggle because they could see what the chimpanzee was interested in, looking under her tights. He could not quite work out why he couldn't get his little pinky under this knicker line. But still all the time, the other hand was very, very busy. Eventually, he seemed to give up and finally decided to go back to the table with Manfred. Now Michael has lost interest in the girl and he seemed quite happy and content with whatever it was Manfred was giving him. And he stayed sitting in his place at the table, quite happily drawing. Meanwhile, I've asked this lady, please, could you go and change your appearance? Maybe put on a coat or a different jumper. Change whatever it is you're wearing. And she did. I cannot tell you to this day why this chimpanzee was attracted to her. She was a very attractive woman and maybe he just fancied her. I genuinely don't know. There were other girls in the studio, but he was not interested in them, only her. We continued to film and when the lady came back in having changed, I hardly recognised her myself. She was dressed totally differently. The chimpanzee was working well and didn't take any interest in her at all. But this is definitely one for anybody's book. The whole crew were in tears of laughter that this chimpanzee never stopped playing with himself the whole time he stood there looking, trying to look inside this poor girl's knickers. And she was just standing there at the camera, terrified. Everybody laughing except her and me. It was only when we got away and we got back in the vehicle, taking him home, we could eventually enjoy the moment. But this is working with animals and basic instincts, very basic instincts, so a memorable day in the office. The trip back also had its moments. Manfred explained to me that Regina suffers with anxiety, especially when in cars. With this new information, I persuaded him to let me take her to the airport and fly her back to Switzerland. It would give us more space in the cab, would save her stress, and we could be home many hours earlier than if we had to drive at 30 kilometres an hour all the way home. 
However, when we reached the customs at the Swiss border, all our time saved was duly lost because we were held up yet again for the veterinary doctor to examine the chimpanzees before they were allowed to enter Switzerland where they live. But this time we waited almost 18 hours before an officer gave us the papers and said, it's okay, the vet has been, you can go. Now I'm extremely angry, but it would have been foolhardy to show my feelings because the officers would have found another reason to delay us. Again, we never saw any veterinary doctor and he never saw any chimpanzees or vehicle, but he declared them fit to travel and entered Switzerland. And of course, there was a fee to pay. Just another day in the office. Here is today's animal joke. Today's joke was submitted by Louis Calderon in Atlanta. A duck goes into a large department store, waddles up to the makeup counter. He asks the assistant for a bright red lipstick. Then he says, can you put it on my bill, please? Don't forget to send me your favourite animal-related joke and hopefully it can be part of a future podcast. It can be old or new, you can steal it or borrow it, or you can make it up on your own, but please send it, I would love to hear it. I will send a special thank you present to the person whose joke is selected for use. If two or more jokes sent are the same, then unfortunately it will be the first person's joke to arrive that will get the present. Good luck. Thanks for joining me here today. I sincerely hope you've enjoyed today's little ditty. Why not visit the website and see for yourself some of the commercials, the photographs and the film clips of our work. The website is www.academic-animals.com. Can I ask you to subscribe and press the like button? It's really appreciated. Thanks very much. Now it's official. You're my new best friend. Lots of love. Roger and out.